Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We are once again live down here in the Barricade Studios for another episode of the Sports Frenzy Podcast. Sold out. With me, your host, Freddy Aloso, with my co-host, the Devil's Advocate, Robert King. Today's the birthday of maybe one of the greatest promo men of all time. No, I'm not talking about Dusty Rhodes. I'm not talking about Roddy Piper. I'm talking about Scott Steiner. That's 50% of Rob, 70% of me, plus 25% of Anthony, plus 125% of the show gives us our next, <laughs> our next code, the encyclopedia himself, Blackbeard. Gentlemen, I have breaking news. Dexter Loomis will not be competing in the lover or loser match. The substitute is... The Devil's Advocate, Rob Fain, Indy Hartwell's number one fan. Yeah, Rob! Woo! Yeah! That's Woo! also how Rob's going to protect his daughter. He's going to go undefeated in that match. Make sure you put the crickets in there. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. Freddie saved you on that freaking opening, so come on. All right, so last weekend, my former my former best friend and I <laughs> went, went to a WrestlePro show featuring our friends, the Amazing Graysons. So, Anthony, what did you think of the show? Way to put that on me, huh? Uh, <laughs> no, I've, I had a lot of fun. The indie shows in general are always entertaining. I usually don't go away disappointed. I mean, some shows are better than others. This one was an interesting setting because it was in, like, uh, the backyard of like a nice Columbus type place. Uh, we were sitting first row ringside and there was actually, I don't know, three or four rows worth of people around on all sides. Then they had benches behind that. There was a bar if you wanted to get shit faced. I'm sure some of the fans there definitely had, but it was nice to be back out at a wrestling show. And I honestly didn't have a problem with anything that was done during the show. I thought all the matches were pretty entertaining um, I did piss off one wrestler, um, in character, of course, uh, who couldn't do a ring post figure four very well, Justin Carino, and basically screamed out, oh my God, you fucked that up. You suck. Something along those lines. So he puts it back on and he looks at me hey, and gives me the bird and is like, yeah, how's that? Does that look fucking right to you, asshole? <laughs> nice. So that was fun. And then Rob actually started a very interesting ch- chant. Uh, when there's this Greek tag team in the ring with a unique look. Rob, why don't you fill people in on that? I don't remember their names. I I'm a, I apologize. But the one guy... Uh, Sean Donovan was one of them, I remember. Yeah, I don't much. remember the other guy. Well, the one guy had a T. His chest hair shaped in a T. And the other guy was wearing... I don't know how to describe it. It was like uh, a bodysuit, but like the one leg was cut out. And it looked very plasticky. And one shoulder was cut out. And one shoulder was out. So I said that I said it looked like a garbage bag. So then I said, wait, I know that I have a good name for your tag team. We can call you guys the T-Bags. Now, in some context there, this was after they were facing Falaba, and a lot of you might know him from MLW. And then he was facing the former WWE superstar, Zach Gowan. So Falaba had pointed out to the T-chest hair, and then... Trash bag started, and then Rob started tea bag. And it, you, you you haven't lived till you've got eight year old kids behind you yelling tea bag. 
and the entire match. It was funny because the wrestlers broke character. They started to laugh too. <laughs> like the guys we said it to, like they laughed for a minute and like had to fix it. They had to, you know, go back to being mad. So I said to Anthony, we have to find this show because you and I like were all over it. Not only are we sitting ringside, but we are adding our own commentary that was sorely needed. So um, I had a great time too. I hadn't been to an indie show in a really, really, really long time. Um, and our buddies, the Graysons, they were awesome. Uh, we saw them before the show, and then after the show, we hung out with them for a while and talked to them, talked to some other you know, the wrestlers. Uh, it was cool. I had a really good time. I would definitely, uh, everybody, get out there and support your in- indie shows. Not only do you get to see close-up action, but the wrestlers are usually pretty cool. You know, they're, they're, they're happy you're there, so they're more than happy to spend a few minutes with you and uh, take pictures and all that kind of stuff. Who else do we What was a What's her name? Um, we met Brandy Lauren. Brandy uh, those Lauren. of you might not remember her. She's Joey Janela's former girlfriend, but um, she was also in NXT for a little bit for a cup of coffee. Her name was Skylar Story, a beautiful redhead lady. Uh, so we met her. She actually played a heel in her match against uh, the Andrea D'Ambrose, I believe her name was. Mm-hmm. And we uh, saw ECW, former ECW superstar, Dastardly Danny Doring. Uh, he was pretty entertaining going back and forth with the crowd. Uh, in ring work, eh, he did what he needed to to get by. Uh, we also saw Impact Wrestling's Eddie Edwards mm-hmm. in the main event. Uh, Sonny we Kiss saw, we saw. Yeah, Sonny Kiss was actually showed up just to hang out. So that was pretty cool. Didn't get a chance to meet Sonny, but it was pretty cool. And uh, we some some indie people that we'd seen before. We had the Graysons. I... Uh, Seen from the Forza Lucha show a couple years ago that those of you might remember we had an interview on for that. Um, the the reigning the then reigning Impre- uh, Russell Pro Silver Champion, the Bad Apple, Matt McIntosh was in the main event. So um, yeah, there was there's a lot of names there that we recognized, and it was just a small intimate show. I mean, there was probably what do you think, maybe three four hundred people there? Oh no, about a hundred maybe. You think a hundred? Yeah, well, I think there was more than that, but yeah. No, it was a great show. Um, Russell Pro did announce they will be back at that same spot on September 4th, and then their next big show is going to be October 16th in Rahway at the Rec Center. Our friends, the Amazing Graysons, they'll be wrestling for Northeast Wrestling on August uh, 14th and 15th. The 14th, they'll be at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center. They're currently scheduled to be part of a triple threat tag team match that night, and then they'll also be wrestling, I believe, as a part of a six-person, uh, six-man tag the next night, day at Six Flags Great Adventure. And I believe they're facing uh, Private Party and Matt Hardy on that card. Um, it, definitely Private Party. I don't know if Matt Hardy's in that match. I'm trying to remember. But, yeah, as Rob said, they were mad cool. Um, very, very nice, very generous guys. Uh, we look forward to hopefully having them back on the show at some point. They did seem open to the idea. We did meet after the show Jared Silverclit sorry I've got to say that a few times I didn't recognize him so if he's listening I apologize I didn't recognize him in the street clothes but uh, for those of you that are Northeast Wrestling fans you might remember he's the manager behind the trust fund so he seemed definitely open to coming on with us soon so we'll hopefully be able to make that happen for you one of my favorite moments was uh, the end of the Danny Doring match he was laying outside the ring on the floor and uh, we were like, you need to get back in the ring. And he's like, oh, no, the <laughs> match is over. 
and, and meanwhile, his partner was being pinned. And so he like he didn't bother to even try to get up. He's laying on the floor, like you need to get up. And he goes, "No, nah, no, nah, nah, the match is over." And you hear one, two, three. <laughs> it was funny. I, I had a feel for him and his partner, um, Atlas. I think it was his last name. I feel bad not remembering, but the team they were facing, they were called Freaks and Geeks, and. <laughs> They carried them through that match big time. And my other me- memory of that in the show was uh, Eddie Edwards was in a three-way for the for the title, and the the, uh, the one guy that he was wrestling, he was chopping him so hard in the chest, his ch- right his chest was literally like bleeding red, and he was right next to us against the ringside and he he chopped him and i'm like eddie do another one and he's and he looks at me and he goes you want another one and i go yeah do another one <laughs> and he did it again and i'm like another one and we're all doing another one and this poor guy was his chest looked like chopped meat when the match was over he was uh, um tall and skinny he looked like uh aiden english a little bit he had that kind of build and Ed- eddie edwards had to have like 70 pounds on the guy and he was just pounding the snot out of him um and we had a really, that was fun. We had a really good time with that too. Eddie Edwards was pretty cool. So. Okay. <laughs> Freddie's taking notes on yeah. what I don't know. <laughs> Tell Rob to shut the no. hell up. <laughs> <laughs> Must kill Anthony. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> I don't know if I ever mentioned on the show. But um, I actually got to see for the first time in my life Dan Maff. I've heard about him for a long time. I used to see him in my local gym for years, and I was always too scared to talk to the guy. But he was the one that was facing Justin Carino. Uh, so that that was pretty cool to be able to say at least I got to see one of the – I feel like this New York, New Jersey area is uh, one of the legends of Indy for that, for that region. I know Rob told me he used to be at Ring of Honor. So that that was pretty cool seeing him in person for once. Okay. Anyway. Enough to talk about stuff that Freddie was not involved in. Let's let's bring him <laughs> into the conversation. Well, welcome back to me. <laughs> He's writing down fire Rob and Anthony. Go solo. I see it. <laughs> Get new co host. <laughs> Make them fight to the death. Make, Winner gets to stay. Make them fight for the belt. <laughs> Default winner Loser wrong. leaves podcast. <laughs> Loser leaves podcast. I have, I'll just let you know, if I get kicked off this podcast, I will not be listening. So just letting you know. You don't listen anyway. Did you listen to last week's show? I actually did. I heard every word that you tried to say. Mm-hmm. You illiterate monkey. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Come on, we're Freddie, you're supposed to be holding this tag team together here. This, come on. We're falling We're not apart contenders for Rob's hopeful AEW trios title. That that's the that's the only title that's left, right? That and the women's tag titles for them to add. Yeah, because yeah, I guess realistically they do have three singles titles if you include FTW. But anyway. So, speaking of AEW, it's been quite the week of news. We've had the somewhat confirmation of the man from Chicago. 
Well, not necessarily. I wouldn't say we have. They've been dropping hints like mad. Right. And it would really kind of suck if it doesn't come through. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really hope they're not screwing with us. Um, I don't know if you guys referenced during the show, there were a bunch of references to punk. Um, Darby yeah, Allen used the term yeah. best of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Which everybody knows is punk's term. And then the one I didn't notice, I read this online somewhere, that when MJF started to talk to Jericho, he used very closely the pipe, the beginning of the pipe bomb speech. And I think that was done on purpose, but it totally went over my head the first time it happened. I didn't pick up on it. Somebody online brought that up. And when I read that, I was like, you know what? Now that I think about it, it was, it was very close to the same wording. So, I mean, if they're not bringing Punk and Brian in, they are not they are, I'm, I'm going to be mad because they are really dropping a lot of hints. And I, I hate to think that they're trolling us. I like to think Tony Khan has more respect for us than that. Now, when is the Chicago show? Uh, it's August twentieth. It's the second Rampage show. Are they actually playing? interesting. They booked the United Center for that show, so they're actually using a bigger arena for Rampage, a one-hour Friday night show, than they are for their pay-per-view a few weeks later in the same city. I think that's kind of odd, but I mean, maybe they're counting on the fact that people are going to flock to it, thinking Punk well, might be there. I'll tell you that first off, the tagline is first dance." Very interesting. Um, I know just scrolling through social media, um, like on Twitter, I saw somebody tweeted out, uh, fellow Red Bull season ticket holder, actually, he's the capo for the Empire Supporters Club. He works He works for one of the airlines, I believe it's Delta, so he's always flying away to the, air, to the away games on the cheap. The Red Bulls have a game the very next night, so he's trying to figure out how to get to Chicago just to be there for Punk's debut and then come back in time for the game the next day. So... Yeah, I, I'd be curious to see how quickly those tickets sell. I'm also curious to see what the ratings are if Punk does debut. Because um, if if he doesn't spike that rating to, I'd say, at least a million and a half, two mil, like if, I feel like in some ways it's a failure then. I mean, what do you guys think? What's the barometer for Punk and Daniel Bryan's debut to show that they're a success? Who do you think is going to get the bigger ovation? I think Punk because he's been out longer. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, it would have to be punk. Just and especially because it's Chicago. So. Yeah. If they were doing Daniel Bryan and say you know the Pacific Northwest, then maybe it would be a, a bigger pop there. But I think definitely Chicago is going to make make punk's debut. Do you think that um um what's his name who lost last night? Uh, the cowboy. Hangman Adam Page. Yeah. Thank you. Do you think his loss was strategic so you can plug Punk and Brian into the title picture with Kenny Omega without without having the this the specter of hangman over his head, you know what I'm saying? I think in Daniel Bryan's case no, because I the rumor is he's not gonna debut till September, which is after all out. If they're gonna put Punk in there against Omega right off the bat. I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's if Paige isn't getting the title shot, it's going to be Christian or they're going to come up with some reason to get him back in that match. I don't know. I was That's one thing you got to say about AEW. They throw these stipulations out that if it was done in WWE, you're like, "Okay, Paige is definitely winning." Then you're watching AEW and then when Omega gets the pin over him, you're like, "Oh. Oh shit. What are they going to do now?" Yeah. I mean, you know, it was more realistic that Hangman lost. Right. I mean, you had the tag team champions and the world champion, and he and he made a good showing. 
But in reality, he shouldn't be able to beat the three top guys in your organization. And that's what WWE would do that, right? They would have Hangman run the table and make everybody look bad. To me, it, it worked out the way it should. My only problem is Hangman Page, I think people want him to be champion. So they've got to work their way back in. But I don't have a problem with him losing. To me, that's more, quote-unquote, realistic. See, and I could have seen him coming back from the three guys if he wasn't getting hit with every single one of their finishers. I mean, that's the other thing. He was kicking out of finishers left and right, except for the one-winged uh, one angel. I always say that wrong, guys. Sorry. Which, as Rob said, it protects the finisher. That Nobody's kicked out of that. So it made sense. But, I mean, how many V-triggers did he get hit with? He got hit with the Be the Elite V-trigger, and he just kept kicking out of everything. So he's still... Right, but everybody's kicked... People have kicked out of the V-trigger before. But not the Be the, the, the Elite one. The one from the Young Bucks. That one usually mm. is a finisher. I didn't have a problem with it. I like. I thought it was a good match. Freddie, yeah, did you I, like? What did you think? I I enjoyed the match. Um, the part that I didn't like was their Toon Squad entrance. That oh, I love that. I thought that was I, great. <laughs> that was atrocious. I, I thought it was great. I'm glad I you brought it. that up because one of the things I was thinking when that was happening. Product placement and wrestling, most of the time we look at it and we're like, are you freaking kidding me? How much did they pay you for this? But they did it pretty well, I thought, in my opinion. I thought that the way they brought in and hinted at Space Jam in that opening and throughout that match, I thought they did it in a way that it was fun. It wasn't like so over the top that you're like, all right, guys, really? Yes, we get it. Space Jam is out. You know, I didn't think it was that deliberate. Well, also, TNT plays a big part in Space right. Jam itself. So that was, I'm sure, TNT getting that in. It just bothers me when you know athletes look so awkward. Yeah, but isn't that the point, though? I mean, they're the heels, right? So, they, so it make, they made it look like they're being forced to do it, so they're just going to do it shitty. Come on. The Meltzer driver with the you know slam I mean? dunk, I was like... Wow, I don't actually hate that. That was kind of funny and fun at the same time. That's what I like about it. Uh, you know what? You know what uh, the difference between AEW and WWE is. AEW looks like they're trying to have fun, right? You know what I mean. And maybe yeah, sometimes WWE it's not perfect, yeah. and maybe it's not the best all the time. But it looks like they're actually enjoying themselves. I imagine WWE is not a fun place to work. And I think there's a time for looking like you're having fun and looking like you're actually in a legitimate fight. So I, I, it just it looked so awkward to me that I'm looking at it. I'm like look, looking at a train wreck. I'm like, oh god, I can't. But you, but you couldn't look away, right? You couldn't look away. <laughs> you couldn't look away. So they got you. <laughs> Unlike the main event with Nick Gage versus Chris Jericho, there was plenty of times to look away there. And for me, I don't understand why Jericho felt like he had to do this. And that's the thing. He's been around long enough. You know that he cleared everything that was done in that match. What does he get out of it? I almost feel like he's he's like a fanboy for himself on a different level. And I guess on the plus side, at least he could tell Cody Rhodes, hey, there's one match that I competed in first on AEW that you didn't. I almost died and I almost bled out all over the place. But yeah, on the fact that TNT even allowed it and didn't know this... The story is that they were warned ahead of time, but I just don't. I've, does it taint Jericho's legacy that he's going to these extremes? 
It's not necessary, you know. I mean, what do you guys think? I think it. W- I think it was probably had something to do with Dark Side of the Ring because Jericho plays a big role in narrating that, and then Nick Gage had his episode on it, so I'm sure that had something to do with it. I'm sure his pockets got lined somehow through there, and. Before Rob, you jump in, I just want to say the best part about that match was the product placement commercial right after Nick Gage used the pizza cutter cutter on Jericho's head. They ran a commercial for um, Domino's Pizza at the same time. That was the only part of the match I enjoyed. Other than that, it was... Both of those things make me sick, by the way. That match and Domino's Pizza. And Domino's Pizza. (laughs) So it was a good segue. Um... I'll, I'm going to go one step further. I think Moxley had something to do with it. Because Moxley engaged your friends. So I think Moxley put his stamp on it like, hey, he's a good guy. He'll do what he's supposed to do. He'll tone it down. My problem with this match is Jericho debuts this new character. And what difference did it make? He got his ass kicked for 90% of the match. Right. So if you've seen his Painmaker matches in Japan, they were, they were one of his... Like, that's what really brought him back into the spotlight. Because he was going off the hook doing crazy stuff. All he did was get his ass kicked last night and got lucky and hit a move and won the match. So I don't really see the what the point. Um, Nick Gage belo- doesn't belong anywhere near a legitimate ring. The guy can't wrestle. Right. Even the moves he did didn't look right. He was wandering around like, a, like I don't know, the whole time I was like, I wanted to see what happened. I know, I mean, obviously Jericho's going to win. Jericho's going to win all the matches. Right. He's going I'm to get curious where, yeah. at the end. I'm just curious where they're getting there. And I'm I'm loving the fact that we're going to have some Hoovy Juice next week. I think this is great. <laughs> I was going to mention Hoovy Juice. I can only imagine what he looks like and what he's going to do. But as far as that match, I mean, it was garbage. That he, They showed exactly why that type of wrestling is garbage. Because it's not wrestling. Right. It's hitting people with light bulbs. I mean, you and I can do that. We're not calling it wrestling. Right. You know, I, I just don't. I didn't follow that part of the show at all. I was disappointed. Who's who's next? The guy that does the uh, the gigolo jumps off in his backyard. Oh, whatever his name is. The guy that Steve <laughs> G wanted to bring on. He was on Tosh. He was on Tosh Point now. God, uh, superhuman, superhuman. I don't even know his name. Yeah, superhuman. Yeah. That guy. I don't know where they're going to take it after Hoovy. I'm curious, but I don't know where they're going to go. Do you feel like that Nick Gates should have been the last one? Because I feel like okay. Because no. I feel like if they were going to go this route. Nick Cage should have been the last one he had to go through. I mean, I feel like now after Jericho went through all that and still won, do you really think he's going to lose against anybody else after this? My bet coming up is Sammy Guevara is going to be one of the guys. He's going to make him go through Sammy in order to get there. I'll be the last piece to it. Yeah, because, I mean, it's like his closest friend. You know, you're going to have to beat your close, And he's going to, like, he's going to put it in where they have to fight each other. You know, like like Sammy can't just lay down. There's going to be some type of situation. I think that's. I think we're going to get Wardlow at some point. Yeah, because I can't be figure out how he has, he hasn't picked any. There. Yeah, he hasn't picked any of his teammates yet. So I think that's interesting. <laughs> and I think Sammy is going to be the last hurdle he's going to have to go through. That would make sense. That's just my guess. I don't know. I could be totally wrong, but I, I think you got to you got to put some kind of drama into this, and that would be drama. I mean, even though you think Jericho is going to win, he has to go through Sammy Guevara. And I think that would actually be a really good match. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it would. I think it'd be worth it. I think in the end, you'd be like, all right, you know, he's he's jumped through all these hoops now. Give him MJF. Right. And then what's the culmination? Does Jericho win it all? Does he beat MJF? He, he has to, right? The but end. it's AEW. Well, you never know. And Jericho, I believe, Fozzie's touring after All Out, which Rob had pointed out a while ago that he thought the inner circle would break up for that reason. I mean, I, I, you know, look, conventional wisdom says yes, but AEW has shown they will go against the grain. Right. And if you're really trying to put somebody over, a win against Chris Jericho does that for you, right? I mean, look at look at the rub Orange Cassidy got. Yeah, that's true. Right? So, I mean, to me, MJF should win. And a loss doesn't hurt Jericho, yeah. No, I mean, Jericho can go away for a while if he wants to tour or whatever, or take some time off and... and I mean, what else is the the inner circle's done nothing, right? Yeah. Other than Santana and Ortiz, right. but the rest of the guys have kind of been on the sideline. So, I mean, you know, to me, they already kind of broke up. Yeah. So, did you see the? Did you see the F? I think the FTR um, Santana Ortiz match. I think got ended prematurely. Yeah. Did you guys yeah. see the injury? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was pretty bad. I was disappointed in that match. I wanted to see more. I think obviously they had to stop because of injury, but I think they could they could have done a lot more with that. I think they should continue that feud. Yeah, I agree. I want. I definitely want to see more of that match. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was actually surprised at the ending for that reason because it kind of seemed lackluster. But I think at that point everybody knew what was going on. I mean, even Conan Conan kind of looked like as. As he was, uh, Wheeler was going by, I was like, ooh, yeah. It was freak accident. Yeah. Um, did anyone notice, though, the trombone player that got nailed by Brian Cage? Did you see who that was? That was the man scout, Jake Manning from Northeast Wrestling. The only indie t-shirt I own is Jake Manning. No, I didn't know that. And did you hear what JR said? Yeah. Trombones uh, don't belong <laughs> <in wrestling. laughs> And somebody wrote in the in uh, some comments and somewhere, um, what's his name? Who plays the trombone for New Day? Oh, Xavier Woods. Slipping my mind right now. It's one day, and somewhere Xavier Woods, a tear will slowly roll down his cheek. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was for those of you that go back and watch <laughs> that whole segment and the trombone player, that as I said, Man Scout Jake Manning, he is the number one contender for the Northeast Wrestling title facing Dan Maff at the Minnesota Civic Center on August 14th. <laughs> Moving on up in the world. And I hope right. he finally gets that belt because he's had a few title shots for them. Well, that's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. it's He's kind of in that Hale Collins category. They get to that title picture, but they never seem to get over the top of the mountain. Yeah. They never to put it on him. I mean, it was a good show. You know, again, it was, you know, the, the main event aside, it was a good show, in my opinion. I would have liked yeah, to have seen Haku with the uh, Tongan death grip. I was disappointed we didn't get that. But other than that, I thought it was a decent show. He still could beat up, what, 95% of that, bro? <laughs> <laughs> that should be what Jericho has to go through. <laughs> yeah, the, the story from Jericho of them two in a Mexican uh, airport is awesome. You guys get to, to hear that one. That one was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, it, Haku at 100 would scare the hell out of me. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so we, what else? We're, slow, we're slowly seeing some of these new Japan guys get filtered in to AEW. So that working relationship is pretty good. I know Japan is shut down at the moment, basically. So these guys got to wrestle somehow because they haven't wrestled in, what, almost two years? No, well, they've been on and off. They've got, right. They came back and now they're out again, I think. So it's been right. on and off. It's a shame because I really think um, there would be a, a real talent exchange. Yeah, if, I think if they could travel well. back and forth, and I I love it. I I think the more the better. I think you when you can shuttle guys in and out, and bring in new contenders, and you know, I love it. I I'm I'm really excited. There's some really great wrestlers in New Japan. I would love to see the Gorillas of Destiny come over. Yes, definitely. Um, and Okada. I mean, there's some guys there that are just off the hook. Great. So, I would love uh, to see the Gorillas of Destiny and either Santana and Ortiz or FTR. I I feel like. That series would be awesome. I mean, them and the Young Bucks would be good. I mean, you think about it, there's a natural rivalry there, right? You've got uh, the Bullet right. Club guys. You could see mm-hmm. two factions of the Bullet Club going at it. I mean, there could be a lot a lot of potential there. So I'm really looking forward to that. Definitely. So now let's let's switch over to the WWE side of things. Why? I was in a good mood. <laughs> Everything was going so great. <laughs> I'm going to hang up for a little while. <laughs> I'll come back for the top five. <laughs> what, what did you guys think of this week? I thought the Finn Balor kind of going the direction of being Roman Reigns' next challenger. I thought that was interesting. I'm sure they'll be saved for SmackDown because we know there's no way in hell Roman versus John Cena is hap- not going to happen at SummerSlam. Um, I'm actually intrigued that they added more dates onto Cena's right. summer Cena touring schedule going into September now. Do we actually see Roman lose the belt? Are they going to have Cena lose another time to Roman? Because the only other time they faced off, Roman did get that win. I'm a little curious about that. I think NXT, as always, is probably the most entertaining of the three shows. Um, as I And what made it even more interesting is the show was still good. Granted, it got moved to sci-fi because of the Olympics, so they had less viewers. I understand all that. But the show is still interesting. Um, the former Christian Casanova from Northeast Wrestling is advancing in the in that breakout oh, tournament, dude. so that was pretty cool. Uh, we, I felt like it was kind of out of nowhere. We had the Dakota Kyle heel turn on Raquel Gonzalez, uh, which we, we have been saying for a while. That was probably coming soon, but I didn't feel like there was any subtle hints to it. It just... Completely came out of nowhere. Uh, and it looks like we're finally going to get a resolution yeah, to this Johnny Gargano, Indy Hartwell, Dexter Loomis situation once and for all. And also, now I'm curious, what was keeping Samoa Joe from getting cleared before that now he's cleared? Because he's back. He's probably the guy that's going to take the belt off Karrion Cross since he's on the main roster. What happened take the belt. between the time he got released to him showing up in NXT that all of a sudden he's been cleared? Or is this a... NXT is what ha- NXT is what happened there? I think on the main roster so there was you... nothing for him, and they didn't want to get him off the commentary. So you thought it was creative had nothing for him, not that he wasn't cleared. I think Vince McMahon is not a Samoa Joe fan, and Triple H is. Yeah. So Vince let him go, and Triple H said, "Well, you know, I want him back." Yeah. So Vince said, "If you want him, he goes to your show." 
And this goes to show you that I don't know if those of you noticed this week is also Triple H's birthday. Current NXT superstars and people in AEW alike that were in NXT were all wishing him a happy birthday and thanking him for everything he did for them. I wish someone would go and report this back to Vince. But Vince lives in his own little bubble. I mean, it really is... It really is a tale of two shows when you're talking about NXT and Raw because NXT has a clear direction. The action is makes sense. And then you go to Raw and you just don't... And, you know, I'm, I'm try, trying to be the negative Nancy. I know Anthony was getting on my case a little bit about being negative, but I can't help it because I care. That's why I'm so negative because the show... I, Raw used to be my favorite show. And the last couple of weeks, I just can't seem to figure out what they're trying to do. There's really no clear, you know, this this week we had Sheamus and Nikki Ash, two champions, lose matches. Why do the champion keep losing? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, and the other thing we keep getting are some of the same matches how many times are we going to see aj styles and almost versus the viking raiders is there nobody else out there either the viking raiders are going to win or they're not right i I, and and keith lee and don't even get me started on keith lee i don't understand the point of him constantly losing i mean i'm not saying he should be winning everything but at the same time like you know the people love him give give him some matches don't keep feeding him to other people to, to move angles forward. He deserves better than that. And I said this to you. The way Keith Lee ended up getting over in NXT was he actually had a massive losing streak. So it seems to me like they're revisiting it. That's A. B. He's been out for several months. He's just getting back into the swing of things. And it's not like he's losing to like tomato cans at the bottom of the roster. He lost to the WWE champion bobby lashley and he lost to the nxt champion karen cross so it's not like he's losing to like a jeff hardy like karen cross did last week for example or like an umberto carillo that and ricochet who just seemed to have been there for a few months to make sheamus look good except for when they accidentally broke his nose so i don't have a problem with it i think it's too soon to really be judging on that same with when cross lost to jeff hardy i was disappointed but I was curious to see where this was going. Unfortunately, Jeff Hardy is tested positive for COVID, so we don't know where that's going to end up going, and Cross got his win. Um, There's some rumors that the plan was Cross was going to lose a rematch to Jeff Hardy, and this was all going to lead to Scarlett coming up, and then all of a sudden he's going to go on this massive win streak. I don't understand where Vince got the idea that putting a hot piece of ass with Karrion Cross was going to suddenly make him go on a massive winning streak, why they couldn't just bring her out to begin with, but whatever. Um, it is what it is. The Keith Lee losing streak, let's let's see where it goes. I think it's too soon to really be that frustrated with it. Freddie, what do you think? You're getting two opposing views here. Where, where do you stand? Um, for me, I feel like the, the problem with Raw sits <laughs> sits with, with Vince and Kevin Dunn. I feel like they're, they're out of date. They don't know the pulse. I feel once... Vince moves on off WWE television and off creative, and Triple H gets pushed into that spot. Once Vince dies. Yeah, once, once that happens, we'll see a difference in WWE programming. 
Um, I disagree. Yeah, key, don't I, so? I, I don't. I don't think it's going to change. It's a philosophy that they've all. They've all. Um, they've all drank the Kool Aid. So unless like Triple H takes over, I think but if you get Stephanie, I mean, but I mean, if, if you get Stephanie, I don't know that Shane would give you the same crap. Same I'm not crap. even sure Stephanie has because apparently she's gotten a lot of credit for some of the good creative stuff. But you really, you really don't think Triple H is going to be involved? They may Triple H may not want to be. I mean, NXT is highly successful. Maybe he doesn't want to move away from that. You don't know. In the grand scheme of things, though, is NXT really successful in the WWE portfolio? They got way less viewers. They're not pulling in the same kind of money. I mean, even as bad as Raw, and I agree with you, Raw has been terrible overall. For And I was hoping with the fans coming back, maybe they would wake up. They're not. They're far from it, and they might not ever get back to it because Vince. But NXT is not a moneymaker for them, and Raw and SmackDown still sell a ton of tickets and still get a higher viewership. Here's the thing. Triple H has a family. And if he run, starts running raw, I mean, Vince works, what, 24-7? Maybe Triple H doesn't I don't want to think do that. that's necessarily because you have to work 24-7, though. I think that's Vince's call. Well, I mean, I guess we'll find out someday, right? I mean, we don't, we're just all speculation at this point. Well, Freddie and I might find out. You, on the other hand, I don't know. You're so far advanced in life. You, yeah. Vince might outlive you. I'll outlive you. Don't worry. I'll make it a point. I'll make it a point. You're on the 17th hole at this point. I will download my consciousness into the computer and still contribute to this show. Don't you worry. (laughs) You know what? Even dead, I'll be funnier than you. That's for damn sure. (laughs) (laughs) You'll probably still have more championship reigns from the podcast. (laughs) You'll still never catch up to me (laughs) in picking the championship. I'm giving up on that until there's like a Royal Rumble and... You'll be like... And somehow I went four and five this week. And I still can't catch Rob, and he's been dead for three years. We had a seance the other night, and the, the lady, lady said, he said, ha ha, I'm still winning. <laughs> we don't know what that means. Does anyone know what that means? And Anthony will be like, I know what it means. The, the bell keeps moving. <laughs> Someone keeps putting their picks on their sheet <laughs> under Rob's name, but he's dead. I don't get it. It's from the great beyond. It's from, part, from parts unknown. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that because it, I'm just kind of uh, like, yeah, right, whatever. Because our our viewing audience re- or listening audience <laughs> really gives a shit about our picks. They love our. Picks. Tweet out it. They tweet out it. Sports Frenzy Pod and let us know. All right, so let's. Well, hang, hang on. One other thing: Does anybody anybody have any thoughts on uh, Nikki Ash? I'm calling her Nikki Ash. I'm not calling her A-S-H. I think it's A-S-H-I-T, personally. That's all I really feel. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's early 90s WWE all over again. Like, a character. I I don't get it. She's supposed to be a superhero. The sad thing is, in NXT, in that crazy girl character she actually got over had a hell of a match i think it was like a street fight where she went all over the arena trying to win that nxt title and i could see that working but what to me makes this even worse is she's come around and said this was her idea you know i think it's funny (laughs) when she does the interviews her accent is so bad, I can't. I have to watch the, the captioning on my screen to figure out what she's trying to say. She's like, "I'm trying to be a top gun," and I'm like, "What? What?" 
What? What do you? Ca- Close captioning. Here we go. All right. Oh, they don't know what she's saying either. I don't know. Something about, I don't know, beer or something. I don't know. I don't know what she's talking about here. So to those Her, of you from awful. the Scottish market, we're sorry that we insulted you. And we understand that you're probably still not listening at this point, but thank you for listening all those previous times. Uh, I, I, I mean, and who's, whose idea was it to have her lose to Charlotte and then be like, I can beat you next week. And she's going to lose again. What? Yeah. 100%. Well, she has to because that'll set up Survivor's, uh, SummerSlam with the three-way against her and Rhea. Oh, God. I hope this isn't going on until Survivor Series. Char- <laughs> Charlotte looks, I'm sorry, since she's come back, to, in my mind, she looks terrible. She looks like she lost too much weight and she's old. I mean, maybe it's because she just put on all this muscle and there's no body fat, but she just looks terrible now. From, from the chest down, she looks like Gumby. <laughs> there's like no, she has no ass. There's like no front and no back. She's like straight down. So it's like, it's like blonde hair, boobs, and then straight down to her feet. Just legs. It's that, that family guy character all over again. Yeah. Yeah, she's all. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. She's lost way too much weight. She looks. Yeah. Awful. And you would think, with all the time she's spending with her fiance Andrade El Idolo, she would have taught him some English. Because when he starts talking on AEW, I'm like, bro, you've been here for a couple years. You're engaged to one of the top women's yeah. talkers in the current product. How the hell do you speak such bad English? My dream promo so- is Nikki Ash versus Andrade. I wouldn't be able to understand either one of them. <laughs> That would be so bad. So bad. <laughs> She'd be like, blah, 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 blah. And he'd be like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he'd be like, see the guy in the middle holding the microphone. Like, I don't know what they said. Oh, well. Oh, well, be that as it may. It, Yeah, Raw, Rob had texted me earlier and had said, I think I need a break from Raw. And I had to remind him this is a wrestling podcast, so... You can't take a break yeah. from Raw. You I mean, you crapped on Stevie G for not watching, and he's he's been put to pasture. Oh, God. Uh, hopefully he doesn't listen to this one after I said that. But, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. But um, anyway, let's get to our main event. Um, first off, I'm going to check the social media to see if anyone actually bothered commenting on, my inst- on the Instagram story I posted last night. I'm going to guess not because... We get we got one bot that posted on there. Yeah. And here's the problem: I never know how to check this stuff. Yeah, we might have to for for next time. For next time, we'll have to put one of those up earlier in the week and see if we got a little bit more tracks. And I apologize to the universe; I did mean to get that up earlier, um, as well as getting some posts of the photos of Rob and our friends, the Graysons, as well as the photo with Brandy Loren, which I kind of forced Rob into, but I did pay for it. So, yeah, how do you check the freaking stories, man? This is, uh... you got to click on the top archive. left got it. story itself. Wait, yeah. no. It's still... Oh, yeah, here we go. All right, let's see. Scene by 20. Oh, we got one reply. No, we didn't. It was just, it was one of those, Blank like, ones. Uh, Instagram bots. Folks, I'm counting 20 of you. 20 of you looked at this thing. Couldn't one of you have given us our, th- you know, your thoughts? 
I mean, come on, guys, come on. Come on, help us out here. We want to know your thoughts. We want to be able to share your feedback. I mean, this is a show for the fans like you. We want your feedback. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, so we sat through really like 18 months of empty arenas and Thunderdome. And we wanted to acknowledge those lovely people that competed in those realms who and give them some credit for really knocking it out of the park in what was probably the most difficult time for them, trying to compete in front of first an empty audience, or no audience, and then and NXT, the NXT uh, prospects. And finally, in front of a bunch of digital screens of fans like ourselves, which was always fun and entertaining, seeing some of the crazy stuff you people did there, as well as when they try to zoom in and be like, hey, we got this celebrity on the Thunderdome, and as they got closer, you just saw pixels and more pixels and more pixels. And I was like, just keep it zoomed out. We could actually recognize them from there. But anyway. So let's jump into it. Our top five pandemic superstars. Well... I voted for myself for no, I didn't. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise. <laughs> Freddie, I know you voted for me too. I see you writing my name down. You don't need to do that. I'm scratching it out right now. <laughs> oh, God, uh... All right, my uh, I I guess these are in order. My number five, I wrote Cesaro. I think Cesaro has come through with some of the more uh, interesting matches. Um, every match he's been in this year has been good, if not great. So I put Cesaro as my number five. Okay. My number five, uh, it's not probably a popular decision. Um, I wasn't too fond of him, but he's done a pretty good job with what he's been able to go with. Uh, the almighty Bobby Lashley is my number five. I had him as an honorable mention. It's not a bad Thank choice. You. I had him as an honorable mention. I actually had three honorable mentions. He was one of them because I feel like I'm going to be honest here. And I'm going to be an asshole in saying this. I feel like Lashley, it, where he is now, is where he would have been several years ago if he hadn't left WWE. I could see that. I don't think... Vince really could give two shits about whether or not he could cut a promo, which thank God he had MVP. Because MVP was the MVP of the almighty Bobby Lashley. Yeah, uh, 100%. My other honorable mentions were Asuka. And then I did this for my coworker Jason. Uh, he pointed out Seth Rollins. And I was like, all right, I'll give you that one. He was at least entertaining, even though to me I was just, it was like fingernails across a chalkboard. My number five, um, you want to talk controversy, I think this one's probably just as controversial. Believe it or not, is main event Jay Uso. I mean, the guy's been known as a tag team wrestler, really with not much charisma, not really known for his speaking, and I felt like he really stepped up under the circumstances. I mean, he went into that Hell in a Cell match, and I remember Rob and I were like thinking, why the hell are you doing this? And he just, the character came out. I think he's. I thought he yeah. did a very good job, and most of his work, yeah, was in the Thunderdome. But uh, I give him a lot of credit. He actually felt like a top singles competitor for a while there, and it, they even got let him get some big wins to go on top of it. So my number five is Jay Uso. 
Nice. Rob, what's your number four? I put AJ Styles. And I'm going back to, you know, you can go to Money in the Bank. You can go to the uh, Undertaker match. Um, you can go, you know, carrying almost here and the Viking Raiders to some great matches. AJ Styles never ceases to amaze me. The man can still go at his age. He can he can be entertaining single or tag. Um, he's always he always delivers. So he's my number four. All right, my number four is Pat McAfee. Now there's like a controversial he, choice. <laughs> he had he had a great program in NXT. He can go on the mic and it's led him to a um, full-time job on the SmackDown announced team. So for me, with not much of a crowd, Pat McAfee is my number four. Do you like him as commentator? I enjoy his like antics and the stuff that he does. I, I like his genuine reaction to things. So for me, I, I do enjoy him on, on that part of it. Michael Cole carries the ship. I'll give you that one. I didn't even consider him, but I actually enjoy, you know, the promos he cut, the whole feud with Adam Cole and everything. He did a pretty good job considering, and I think he's even better as a commentator. I think he's freaking hilarious where the way he stands up as he's doing the commentary, and he's still doing it in front of the crowd. And then when Nakamura comes out, he's like sitting there jamming on the, and Michael Cole's looking at him like, will you get off the table? I, I think it's pretty funny, and I feel like in some respects – he kind of reminds me of like Jesse Ventura and Bobby Heenan and like in his commentary style, but then the over the top thing is his own twist on it, you know? He's still a fan. Yeah. And, and I like that perspective for that reason. But he's also somebody that has gotten in the ring and, you know, at least can, can appreciate what these guys are going through. Um, my number four, probably another controversial one, and it was actually somebody that. I know you guys are sick and tired of and don't understand what the angle is going for. And this might be the horror fan in me, but for me, it was Alexa Bliss. This character has been very intriguing and as bad as it might seem to a lot of people, I think she's really embraced it and really hit it out of the park. Uh, and it's almost amazing when if you follow her on Instagram and then you see her character on TV, the way she turns it on. I think it, it really rejuvenated her career in a lot of respects because I feel like she was kind of lost in the shuffle for a while there. I mean, she went from being the standard Alexa Bliss, half of the tag team champs with Nikki Cross, to being embraced by the darkness of the Fiend and then eventually overtaking him. I think she's done a great job. I mean, I understand the doll is kind of over the top, but you know what? We were talking about product placement and networks getting involved. Who the hell knows? This could be the USA Network pushing for that new Chucky series that's coming out on October 18th. (laughs) You never know. Not a bad idea. You're right. Okay. I'm wrong, but... No, look, you're entitled to your opinion as warped as it is. That's an improvement. He usually tells me how wrong I am. Anthony, you're wrong. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) My number three is, is Seamus. Seamus has delivered. Uh... Wherever he is on the card, he always delivers. I think um, he's he's best as a heel. 
Uh, I love the angle with him and Matt and McIntyre, you know, exploring their friendship and all that. I thought that was a very personal feud, which I think are always your best feuds when there's some type of, you know, personal background. And I love the fact now that he's bullying around these other guys and, and that kind of stuff. And I'm really looking forward to this feud with Priest. I hope it it elevates Priest to where he belongs. So I'm going with Sheamus. It's, it's an interesting pick because actually you could even go back as far as what, towards the beginning of the pandemic, that whole feud with Jeff Hardy and they rolled in a saloon or in a bar. Like I said, he always delivers in my opinion. He never, he never comes, he always, whatever feud he's in, he's always delivering uh, good matches, you know, good to great matches. And his promos are always, you know, they're relatively the same, but you know, that's his character. So. So my number three is he was mentioned before Jerry Russo. He was a single uh, a tag wrestler that got pushed into a spot because his brother got injured and really ran with it throughout the whole pandemic, having pretty decent matches with Daniel Bryan, you know, Seth Rollins. He was all over the place. This guy, uh, I enjoyed what he does. I enjoy his work in the ring. Um, I want to see what else he can do if they let him do it, but they kind of joined him back up as a tag team, but we'll see what happens. Now my number three was actually somebody that I, I, the inspiration for this countdown was based on an article I saw on another site where somebody kind of did the same thing. So I will admit that we stole the idea, but a lot of wrestlers steal their ideas from other characters. I wouldn't rate this person as number one, but I thought she did a very good job. And she did have an accompaniment that helped her with this. But uh, not only was she entertaining in the beginning when it was empty arena, but she went and became the face of SmackDown for a while and then competed in the first true one-on-one women's main event of WrestleMania history. And that was the legit boss, Shasha Banks, who hoping we'll be back for SummerSlam because... This Bianca Belair title reign has just been eh, and I think they need to get the belt off her, and I don't know who else is left at this point. I think Sasha's the only one left. Um, I mean, we don't... Yeah, I think she's... I mean, yeah. we don't want to see Bianca and Carmella again unless they get a better angle of that wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that old clip, and I was like, I'm impressed yeah, that she somehow didn't expose herself and she managed to finish the match. But... right. It's hard to wrestle with your hands across Mm. your chest. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, Sasha Banks, I think, did a really good job, really stepped up, and my hat's off to her. Uh, Hopefully the break that she just hopefully will be ending soon, uh, she'll come back rejuvenated and ready to take that mantle again. That'll be interesting. All right, well, I think I would be surprised. I would be very surprised if our last two... Don't all match. So I'm going to throw these out there and we'll see. My number two is Roman Reigns. I think it's undeniable that after all the time we waited for him to turn heel, he has gone full heel. And other, my only complaint about him is, is that he's got to start winning matches without any assistance. But other than that, I mean, full character, on you know on SmackDown multiple times and you don't get mad you want to hear what he has to say. Uh, Paul Heyman, you know honorable mention there too. You know playing his role, he went from being Brock Lesnar's advocate to Roman Reigns. I don't know what you'd call him. You know, counsel. 
Right, but I mean, like, I love the fact that, like, he walks behind him and he looks, like, very demure. And, like, he hands him the belt. Like, he's, he's playing the role. He's doing exactly what you wouldn't think Paul Heyman would do. And he's doing it. So, Roman Reigns, all the way. Okay, my number two. Um, these are really 1A and 1B. Like, they're... Should be both number ones, but I'm going to go with Bailey as my number two. Um, she crushed it. Uh, the women's division hasn't been the same since they took the belt off her. Uh, and the arena is going back and forth with Michael Cole while she's in a match, like, was priceless. Um, she really elevated herself throughout that entire pandemic. And my hat's off to her because without her, that her and Sasha Banks, that women's division would be uh, non-existent. Well, ding dong, hello. She's also my number two. For basically everything you you mentioned there, I know a lot of people are probably surprised because we know I'm a huge Bailey Mark. Um, but yeah, she really hit it out of the park during this pandemic. I know a lot of people when she got to that ding dong hello talk show phase thought it was crap but even when she wasn't in the ring she was featured at wrestlemania granted she had kind of had to do the job for the bellas rolling down the ramp but her character is just expanded by leaps and bounds during this empty arena era and i think my favorite moment with her during this whole thing was way back in the beginning when she and sasha won the tag belts and she was they were like mocking michael cole making fun of him while they were holding the belts up, and then as she's walking out, she's like, "Oh my god, these are so heavy! I don't know how I'm going to make it." You know, it was it, it was really entertaining. I hope she has a speedy recovery from this injury. This is a major one with the with the ACL, I believe it was. Um, but but she's still killing it even on her social media, like mocking the fans, like you did this to me and what have you, you know. And she's so she's kind of updating people on her progress while still being in character so it's it is our fault it is our fault she got injured and hopefully she rises above that and comes back to shut us up once again definitely i mean she she's crushed it throughout this whole pandemic so i think the pop she's going to get when she gets back is going to be insane so Let's jump into our number ones. My number one is Roman. From his return, I forget what pay-per-view that was where he came back at. He ran in at SummerSlam after The Fiend won the belt. And then that yes. set up Fiend, Strowman, and Roman at Payback like a week later when they decided to do like that random pay-per-view a week after SummerSlam last year. Right. So for me, from what he's done on the mic in the ring, the way he's uh, evolved himself into that old-school brash, shit-talking heel. Um, Roman Reigns, number one WWE pandemic superstar for me. Devil's Advocate? Uh, My number one is your number two, Bailey. And for all the reasons you said, I mean, going back to when she was yelling at Michael Cole, I mean, like, that won it for me. Like she won, she won the pandemic for me. So, whereas I admire what Roman Reigns has done, I think Bailey has been doing it longer and better. So Bailey's my number one. 
Like yeah, so my number one is the same as yours, Freddie. Mine's also Roman Reigns. Uh, the heel turn has just been great for his career. He's actually interesting. It's actually at a point where as much as I want to see him lose that damn belt, I also want to see him come out every week and hear what else he has to say. Uh, he has really become for the WWE. He is not just of his family, but of the whole WWE. He is the tribal chief. He is the head of the table. And... My big question is, when is he going to lose that belt? Um, because if he gets through Cena, do they take the chance and wait that, for The Rock and hope that The Rock's going to be available for WrestleMania? I think that's a huge risk. And honestly, I think Roman's at a point where he's already proven himself. He's a top draw at this point. Keep him in this heel character. He doesn't need the belt anymore. You know? I'd say you got to get the belt off him. I don't give a dick to The Rock either. No? Do you want him to lose to Cena? Just so we can take it back from Cena. I mean, I, I don't want Cena to I win. I actually don't have a problem with that. Cena's been out for a while. Cena's gone off to another career and he came back. He doesn't have to come back, you know? I'm okay with that at this point. I know years ago we Cena was crammed down our throats, but if you actually really go back and look at it and look at Cena's title reigns versus his tenure, as Cena's tenure went further and further, or the longer and longer he was with WWE, he actually wasn't carrying the belt that often, you know? It's actually... I, I actually feel like I've gotten used to him without the belt for so long that I think it would be kind of odd to see him with the belt. And that's kind of crazy because his next win will break Ric Flair's supposed record, which I know there's there's talk about whether Ric Flair is really 16-time or 21. Uh, if you really count him, I really don't know. I think they go with the 16 across the board. But anyway, yeah. I don't think they'll let him break Ric Flair's record. I don't think that record should ever be broken. Yeah. They let him match it, and I think that's where it stands. I don't think he'll he'll see the belt again. Do you think there would be the same vitriol that there would have been if he did it years ago, like when AJ Styles was champion and he won the belt and then lost it to The Fiend? Because I feel like if he did it back then, the fans would be shitting all over, where now I feel like they've... He's not getting booed like he did prior. The fans seem happy to see him back after all, all these years. I'm still booing him. Well, all right, yeah. I'm still yelling, John. All right, and you're the same guy that's going to stop watching Raw, so your opinion doesn't matter here. Actually, it matters a little bit more, I think. does it, really? I'm not a 12-year-old boy, so. Well, thank you for clearing that up. He's about to start collecting Social Security, this guy, but. I was going to say, add 60 years to that, and we get that right. (laughs) 65, asshole. Get it right. So, Freddie, I, Freddie, I got pubic hair older than you. Buddy. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> probably do. You probably don't do. worry. Soon enough, it's going to be like one senior, one adult, and one child, one student. Rate. Thank you. It's coming. Which one? Which one are you? I'm not. I'm not married to you. I don't live with you. Oh, my, my best Heavens. friend Anthony. So, with that being said, yes. <laughs> I think, I think it now it's going to get ugly in a minute. That is our episode for the evening. www.thesportsfrenzypodcast.com. The Sports Frenzy Pod on Twitter. The Sports Frenzy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Encyclopedia. And we want to hear from you for our topic next week, which is the top five performers in AEW during the closed door era, we'll call it for them, because they did have some fans in, here and there. So we'll be sharing who we thought were the top five in AEW. 
Definitely. We definitely want to hear from you guys. We'll put up a poll earlier in the week, and we'll get that out to you guys, and we'll try to read some of your feedback on the air. So with that being said, we will catch you guys next week. Peace.